Welcome to the New Level Podcast, everyone. My name is Phil. I'm your host of the show. And on today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Richard Tucker, the Vice President of Sales at Trident Worldwide, based out of the UK. Trident helps uh, customers send, store, and sell products anywhere in the supply chain through this all-in-one integrated platform. So Richard brings about 20 years of experience and wealth and knowledge working in all kinds of different sectors, including retail, e-commerce, third-party logistics, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about digital transformation in the wholesale distribution space, we'll talk about everything from industry 4.0, 3PLs, warehouse management, uh, and how autonomous vehicles like drone deliveries are affecting the space. So lots to learn on today's episode, guys. Uh, without further delay, my friends, I bring you Richard Tucker. You're listening to the New Level Podcast, where humans talk about automation. We bring you industry experts and share new ideas that help elevate your business. Join your hosts, Philip Aguib and Teresa Foreman, on the journey of automation technology. So, first of all, Richard, uh, thank you for taking the time to come on to the New Level Podcast. We'll be obviously talking here. My name is Phil Agib. I'm the sales director at Vantry. We have Teresa, who's a fantastic marketing consultant. And you know, our goal today is to, to, to share some of the information and knowledge that you have with uh, our audience about the distribution industry, warehousing, 3PL, and, and, and this stuff. So, uh, so welcome. Thank you. Uh, so, Richard, as, as Phil said, we're so excited to have you here. Thank you for taking the time um, to join us. One of the things we're really curious about is this, you know, notion of Industry 4.0 with um, the Internet of Things, you know, enhanced automation, connectivity, really driving um, that change. Things like autonomous vehicles, et cetera. What are some of the most interesting innovations you've been seeing implemented in the industry, the distribution industry? and can you then share your thoughts on how you think this is going to either positively or negatively affect, you know, uh, humans globally? I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I think automation is, is an interesting uh, subject. And I, I mean, I think the whole sort of, uh, uh, you know, vehicles moving on their own and, uh, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a very, uh, exciting but scary world of, of uh, you know seeing those sort of things um, you know the, the whole idea of uh, um, you know the, the the humans being taken over within supply chain and you know I think I think uh, you know I've been to many sites where um, you know they've got um, you know uh, you know picking by um, you know uh, of vehicles that, that that are doing that without without people, which I think is 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 great. But uh, but I know the negative side of that. Obviously, if you get a breakdown, um, it's a bit of a disaster. And uh, um, you know, um, you know, high high volume picking that's that's automated. And I think uh, you know it's amazing to see. And I and I know that that helps with volume picking. Um, I live near uh, a city where they've got these, uh, what I can only describe as little microwave oven things on four wheels that move around on their own delivering pizzas, basically, um, which, again, I think are uh, quite interesting um, as, as sort of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, vehicles for delivery. Um, and... You know, I think that, again, the whole sort of idea that one day, you know, our final mile may happen by drone, I think is is unrealistic, let's be honest. You know, I, I get the real, I get the idea of, of drones, I, I do. Um, I just, uh, I just don't think consumers are going to accept drones, in all honesty. I mean, I get it for the whole, you know, um, the point of, you know, flying, you know, uh, rescue equipment up mountains. Um, 
but I'm not sure that my my daughter receiving her, you know, nine dollar H and M T shirt by a drone is is cost effective. Yeah. And I'm and, and again I'm not sure that, you know, that's how they're going to deliver my fifty inch TV. You know, I just don't think that they are they are the right things to happen. And I, I'm not sure how they would how a drone would actually interact with my house either. I don't see the whole sort of final mile interaction with a house, certainly in suburbia, but even if you lived in a block of apartments or flats, I'm not sure quite how it works. You know, and that, you know, we, we've just been talking about volumes of orders. You know, I can't imagine how these buzzing bees of drone, drones would leave a, you know, leave Amazon a, a thousand at a time type of thing. It would just be chaos, I would think. But uh, I think, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think the advancements for, for automation um, and technology in, in all um, re- realistically is around um, data and a lot more uh, control around data and about um, you know the the reductions of barriers of data um, and integration of data and the control of data um, and and better optimization of data and uh, um, and, and really making sure that um, you know ultimately data is king so it's taking control of data and doing better things with data um, and you know and, and even collaboration of data you know um we you know we we're all getting our our deliveries and we're getting multiple deliveries so even if they were able to consolidate data across multiple carriers for example and you know and and work together for for multiple orders and those sorts of things is going to be cost saving across the industry and things like that sort of thing for collaboration uh you know i think what's what we've seen in the last uh six, eight months, you know, with within, you know, COVID's a very good example. Um, you know, it's around the fluctuation demands of um uh you know different companies um handling their operations. Um and I think, you know, different bits of automation um and and uh the their logistics and the challenges that a lot of businesses have faced um recently you know i think what's happened there i think uh again i think bits of automation and i think the the whole sort of impact of you know where businesses may or may not have been agile enough um to be flexible um in in uh, the demands on their business i think is an, is another area um uh that I, that I think um, has been quite interesting from uh, innovation as well. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more, Richard. I mean, you know, there there are so many brands during the last eight months. I mean, COVID is really just uh, reflective of an, a business's need to be able to be agile, right, and pivot yeah. on the spot. Because I mean, while this is a you know a big black swan event that nobody saw coming, it won't be the last one, right? Something's going to happen, and you look at some like alcohol, you know, distilleries who pivoted immediately and started making hand sanitizer. And you mentioned earlier H&M who pivoted immediately and, and started making masks. There's a Canadian manufacturer um, who pivoted and started making, you know, overnight, literally got to, yeah. you know, invested in a very expensive uh, machine from overseas to be able to start creating PPE when, when Canada was in such shortage. And those are the, it, it's that mentality, like forget the goods and services. It's just that mentality right, that helps businesses um, stay relevant. Uh, so that's, that's a great segue into the next question. So, because you know competition is so high and so many wholesale distributors are trying to provide either you know what are those value added services that they can offer on top of their goods and services to just be really competitive and offer competitive uh, rates which companies would you say are setting themselves apart and how are the improvements they're making affecting their the customer experience yeah, I mean, I think what you you just mentioned there, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, um, 
you know, I, I had a think about this question. It's, it's about adding that value. And it, again, I think, you know, lots of things uh, today have to be customer focused. I think you have to work from the customer backwards. You know, one of, one of the examples that I, uh, you know, that I highlight is, is AO, you know, the, the, the white goods supplier, you know, AO, you know, have highlighted themselves there online as a white goods supplier. You know, electronics, everything from, you know, fridges to washing machines to televisions to everything like that. So, you know, they are, you know, competing in a in the high street and online with, you know, everything that you've got from a white white goods electronics. But that's great. So. Uh, you know, I want to replace the washing machine that's broken. Okay, well that's not that's that's a that's a real pain. That's a big item. It's a heavy item, and my you know my skill set on plumbing in a washing machine is 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 zero. You know what do I do with a washing machine that's broken? It's broken. It's a pain. It doesn't work. You know we've got washing that needs doing, and it's a big challenge. So. You know they've got the 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 solution that can get me a delivery and get me delivery slots that fit. So I've got a two-hour window that I can book to get that delivery to me. Well, that's fantastic. So again, tick for the consumer. And now we've got value added to go on top of that. You know, do you want it? Do you want us to deliver it, take the packaging away? Do you want us to deliver it and take your old one away? Do you want us to deliver it and to fit it? You know, so all the time it's ticking those additional customer boxes. And it's the same for television. Do you want us to install it? Do you want us to put it on the wall? You know, and it's it's about that customer experience all the time. You know, do you want us to put it in the room of choice and all of those sorts of things? And I think that's where um, the, the competition is coming when it looks to different people. It's not just a standard high street journey that says great buy this from us we can have it delivered thanks very much leave you to it it's taking it that step step further you know so it's not looking at you know me being you know young and dynamic and saying well i'm sure you can fit that yourself you know it could be it could be looking at my 74 year old parents and going well they're probably unlikely to be able to put that washing machine in (laughs) You know, and 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 being able to you know give them the support that they probably need. It's looking at you know the realistic world and saying, well, are you uh, you know they're not going to be able to get an old washing machine in the boot of their car and take it to the you know the recycling centre. It's it's giving everybody the option to say, let us do this for you and let us give right. you the peace of mind. You know, and actually in addition to that, for you know, seven pound fifty a month. We'll give you, you know, we'll give you a service warranty on it that says if anything goes wrong, um, all your parts are covered as well. So, you know, it's just giving you everything that says we're going to look after you, Mister Customer. And those sorts of things are absolutely phenomenal. You know, it's just a washing machine. Yeah, I agree, but what a great service. There's a colleague of mine that has an expression that I love, Richard, and it's um, the best user experience is one where the user doesn't realize they're having one. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so seamless. It's so frictionless. You just leave just feeling this like sense of, you know, happiness and and satisfaction, but you don't, you don't have that sand, you know, that grit at at any point in the experience. So I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Um, And and the other one to highlight, we, we, uh, Obviously, ASOS, big um, fashion brand, um, you know, uh, mid-tier, affordable fashion, um, you know, across the sort of, um, I don't know, 15 to 25-year-olds, you know, brand, you know, ASOS brand owned, but also across all of the the name brands as well. Um, Good price point. um, And... Uh, outsourced to one of the big logistics brands um, uh, about a year ago um, took it upon themselves to um, trial 
uh, one of the uh, final mile electric delivery vehicle uh, runs in East London. Um, and uh, so they work with the, the uh, logistics distribution partner that takes that, uh, drops it to the um, electric delivery vehicle run in East London, and then they deliver that into East London with a message to say, today you will get your parcel delivered by an electric vehicle. So it's got a very green message with it. And the feedback from the customers is just absolutely phenomenal because it's seen as a very green final mile delivery coming by electric vehicle. So they're expanding that very, very quickly, but it's got a very, very, you know, nice green electric vehicle delivery uh, final mile message. And that's the uptake on that has been huge. Yeah, no, uh, 100% uh, Richard. Um, I think that, uh, like you said, there's the, you know, there's the, the, the customer experience, of course. Uh, and, and then, then there's everything that happens in, in the background, right? So, um, you know, w- one of the questions that I had was um, everything that had to do with the background. You know, we work with a lot of customers um, who are selling these products to consumers. And, you know, we always try to help them understand how they can enhance that customer experience. You know, how can we make that process more frictionless uh, for the consumer? Uh, but, you know, with your experience, um, I think maybe you could share some insights on, um, you know, how warehouse management is such a crucial part of that process. Uh, you know, making mistakes in the warehouse uh, can be very costly. And, you know, customers come to us all the time, you know, with challenges such as, you know, inventory control, uh, consolidating warehouse networks, uh, and, you know, obviously managing precious space. Um, and these are the, some of the challenges that they're facing. So. Maybe you can help us understand, uh, you know, what are the most important metrics to look at to keep up with today's demand? Uh, And number two, um, you know, what are the three sort of biggest mistakes warehouse managers are making and what what they can do to avoid them? I mean, I think lack of inventory uh, accuracy. And and I think what I I mean by that is, and it's quite interestingly, uh, even we as a business at the moment are are looking at... um, uh, partnerships around warehouse management systems to uh, support what we're doing. And I think, you know, that's not just simply for, um, you know, people being able to, you know, run their inventory. I think it's being a proactive with, with your, your inventory. So not only, you know, only is that about, um, you know, the, the accuracy of the stock you've got, which is obviously quite important, of course, you know, and I think that's it. It's about, forecasting the stock that you need and having the um, the checks in place to make sure that you've got the minimums um, uh, the minimum red flags in place to say okay when that gets to 10 I need to order more when that one gets to 20 I need to order more you know and having those checks in place so you're never running out um, and you know I think that's you know, it's, it's amazes me how many times you see with well, us out of stock. Well, how have we gone out of stock? That's just bonkers. In this day and age, how have people get to out of stock? You know, if you, if you know the run rate of a piece of, uh, you know, of a skew of a of a product, you know, if you're selling thirty a week, and it's you know, and it it takes you a month to order something, well, you you must have a minimum of a, you know. <laughs> Uh, of 120 when it gets to a minimum of 120 you need to have it flag you to say you need to order some more then you're never going to run out it's as simple as that you know it, mm. or, or with a bit of a tolerance in it or it, it's it's not rocket science you know you've got to just have these minimum quantities in place you know with a bit of a buffer that just says that triggers when it gets to this amount tell me and i need to order some more um, and, I, and I think it's, it, you know, with many things, it's just having this proactive element and reporting the same. But anyway, um, inventory accuracy and, and the proactiveness within that, you know, that WMS um, inventory control, you know, it's making sure you're maximizing the space you've got, 
utilizing the space you've got. You're not holding on to rubbish. You know, so many warehouses have just got stuff that is just full of, of things that are not moving, which is just pointless. Get it sold, get it moved forward. Just keep stuff, you know, flowing through uh, at the right right space, um, you know, and, and, and making sure you're just maximizing the layout of your warehouse. Stop people walking backwards and forwards, you know, maximize consolidated picks, wave picks, maximizing the right, you know, the right things that people aren't just going battles and forwards and round and round, you know, try and analyze the, the picking walks and runs that you're doing so that, um, you know, you're absolutely, absolutely maximizing the, the time that people are doing. Um, and I think, you know, that that's a quite uh, a simple, you know, looking at your fastest movers being, you know, closer to where you're picking a pack in and your, your slower movers being at the back and out of the way. Simple things, but a lot of warehouses don't do that. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing is, you know, just keeping on top of technology. You know, a lot of people are still very paper-based. Um, you know, I remember doing my first bit of consultancy and it was packs of paper, you know, just giving out to people, going off and doing picks with packs of paper. You know, uh, but it's, you know, it, technology doesn't have to be that expensive, but it saves so much time and so much effort. Um, you know, and I think, you know, and I think that's because some people are a little bit scared of innovation, a little bit scared of technology. Um, but I think, you know, the, the whole sort of time and effort that can be done with, with simple sort of, you know, mobile scanning and even mobile printing and label printing and, yeah. you know, a simple um, delivery management system uh, just can save costs and return and investment as it is just in in time and effort itself. So I think, you know, just don't ignore uh, some of the simple uh, innovations. So I think they're the three key uh, mistakes to avoid, really. I used to work at a um, importer, a food importer and distributor. And uh, I, when you, I almost got, saw myself from burst out laughing when you said they'd walk around with these pallets of paper you know, into yeah. the warehouse so they could do all the picking. I mean, I think back now at the amount of trees must have been yeah. sacrificed to do that picking. And it's, yeah. No, no, I, I, I totally agree with you guys. And, and I think that technology has evolved so much nowadays that it is, um, uh, it's, it's, it's bad to ignore. It's bad for business to ignore technology. They have all these tools that are being used by these successful companies. Um, you know, if you, if you speak to some of these warehouse managers, these are now requirements. Understanding, you know, what your inventory turnover is, that's, that's a requirement. Um, obviously, space utilization, what are the, uh, you know, like you said, what are the faster moving products? What are the slower moving products? And being able to optimize the warehouse space and where you're positioning these products based, based on that. And, and without technology, you, you, you're not going to know this, especially if you're servicing, you know, thousands of people and you're trying to expand the business internationally. So I definitely agree with those three points. Um, you know, everything from, you know, accuracy, space utilization, and just not ignoring technology. Um, you know, us at Vantry, we help customers automate that process, right? So yeah. that there's very little manual intervention. And, and so you're able to really pass through the cycle a lot quicker than if you were to do anything manually. So um, really good points you bring up there, Richard. And, and I think a lot of people can, can benefit from that. So uh, moving on, I think the way that the uh, industry has been impacted, obviously COVID has accelerated a lot of this, but um, over the last uh, five years or so, we've seen a huge increase in e-commerce orders, right? So uh, everything from drop shipping to, uh, you know, making that, that gap between the supplier and the consumer a lot smaller with these companies just listing their product directly on uh, platforms like um, like their own personalized websites, but also platforms like you know Amazon and you know maybe one day you know your platform at Trident. So maybe you can talk to us about you know how you think consumers are going to uh, 
to to shift uh, with this? And and like, do you think that consumers will resume old habits once you know COVID is over, or do you think that the rise in e-commerce is really here to stay? Well, it's, I mean, I think it's an interest. It, it's interesting. I think the last um, you know where we were with with the rise of e-commerce uh, has continued. Uh, will continue. I mean, the the high street in my mind was nothing more than a big three-dimensional shopping catalog. You know, again, you know, if you were looking for a new television, you went to the high street to make sure you were looking for the right size, the right sort of television, uh, and, you know, defining what you were looking for. And probably then came home and looked online to find the best price. And so therefore, all you were doing was using the high street as a, you know, a three-dimensional catalog just to make sure you physically saw what you wanted. But your price comparison came when you were back at home. You were you, know, you were online shopping then. Um, so potentially your your purchase actually happened back online. So you know your the the e-commerce rise as is dramatic and you know it's so easy because we're doing it on our mobile we're doing it on our tablets we're doing it on our you know mobile phones and you know my my 17 year old daughter knows nothing different you know and i and you know and her impatientness of well i've just placed something you know when when do you think we'll get a delivery you know, and 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 you know, it, I I often have to say to her, "Can I tell you what happened when I was seventeen? You know, we had a catalogue. Mum had a catalogue. You had to fill in a form, send it off in the post, and it said you'll get your order within twenty-one days. You know, and you think, wow, that you know, you think how things have moved on. You know, so e-commerce is here to stay, without a doubt." You know, the, the, uh, but I, uh, so I think the reality of lockdown is have we lost trust in uh, the high street? I think for a little while, absolutely, because I think we, you know, we've all got in our little, uh, little safety bubble. I think we've all got this sort of, you know, this use to priorities. Um, uh, and it's going to take us a little bit of time uh, to go back to the high street and and just have that personal trust to get in it. I think you know we we we've all got this whole sort of you know comfortable way you know and I I know I mentioned my parents a little while ago you know even at the start of this you know, my parents are not big they're not big online shopping uh, fans. You know, when it first started, you know, I had this call from my parents to say that they started shopping online as if they'd found the keys to Narnia. Do you know what I mean? It was like, wow, you know, it's amazing. Did you, did you know you could get your grocery delivered to home? Yes, we've been doing it for five years. You know, and suddenly they, you know, they realized that they could do it. And you just, you just put your credit card details in and you could have it delivered. Yes, mum and dad. Yeah, we've been doing it a long time, but well done. You know, so you know, for, so for a lot of people, that sort of thing is brand new, of course. And now they realise that it's so convenient. And you know, my mum doesn't have to carry all those sorts of things. She can just get a little basket of fresh stuff. So for lots of people, there's going to be positive change like that, isn't there? They're not going to go back to going. Blimey, I don't have to do the weekly shopping by, you know, in the car. I can just pick up a basket of fresh things. So for convenience, those sorts of things have changed. And actually, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Amazon, but probably I am now. And, you know, I didn't use, you know, I used to go to Next uh, on, on the high street or whatever. But actually now it's just as easy to order it online, isn't it? You know, and so I think there will be those people that have found uh the online stores that they like and probably will stick to i read an interesting study on the retail industry this year and um 
even during, sorry, even before COVID, e-commerce is just killing a lot of brick and mortar stores, yeah. right? And so the brick and mortar sort of retailers are looking at, okay, so we have to look at it all again goes back to the customer experience so it's not just the products we're selling or the price we're selling anymore to get people in the stores it's how do we up level like that tactile experience that some people just can't get from e-commerce and maybe that's the draw right or you look at the movie theaters and who wants to spend you know for me to take my three kids to the movies is like by the time we get the tickets and the popcorn and then whatever it's over a hundred dollars right when we can all yeah. just sit in our comfy clothes on the couch and have got someone yeah. to watch the movie. And so, you know, here anyways, I'm not sure what it's like there in Richard, but the, the movie theaters over the last few years have spent millions in infrastructure, putting in reclining chairs, yeah. um, bars, like alcoholic beverages for sale, proper meals, you know, for sale instead of just snacks and then COVID hits. Right. And then nobody's going to the theaters. Yeah. And so to your point, yeah. Is it going to recover? I don't know. I think the cinema might be one of those industries that who knows what it's going to look like, because do you, do you want to go sit in a room with 300 people, you know, to watch a movie? I don't see anybody rushing yeah. out to do that anytime soon. Uh, I, I don't think there's a doubt in anyone's mind that retail, uh, you know, is, is not forced to evolve. Like these, these, these stores need to evolve so quickly and and if they don't, they're you know they're obviously putting their business at risk. And I think yeah, you're yeah. right, Teresa. I think that it's that that customer experience that you cannot get uh, online that uh, that is going to push people to go to the stores, like the yeah. you know the type of service that you get from interacting with someone face to face. Because the the reality is is that um, you know Richard was just mentioning you know things like trust. Uh, well, online you have probably better descriptions of what these products are, right? You have videos on how to install them, how to use them, right? So no yeah. more like you think of going to the hardware store and asking someone, how do I install this? Like, forget about it. By the time you the guy gives you an answer, you'll have a video, you'll, you'll have watched a video on how to do it, which is way more dynamic than him explaining to you how to, how to install it. And then last but not least, reviews reviews have been a huge influence on uh on the buying experience online and and you know imagine going to a store and saying you know you have what i don't know maybe 500 reviews on some of these products online imagine going to the store and turning your head and asking 500 people what they think about this product you're about to purchase forget about it you're not going to have that experience so it's 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 really changed the way that people are are making purchases yeah. And I think you're right, Richard. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it's, if anything, it's going to accelerate and it's going to put the retail stores at a very, very difficult position to add value to that experience um, physically, something that can't, can't happen online. So, but I think there's one but, though. I think there's one but, and there's one false sense of security in it all at the moment. We're all at home. So, Mr. Delivery Driver is getting a very false sense of security that he's being able to deliver it to us very easily, first time success. So as soon as we're all back at our offices, if that day comes, the challenge then comes when, you know, Mr. Delivery Driver starts to do what he used to do, those stupid things, leaving things safe, chucking them over the fence. And, you know, that final mile delivery of the online shopper and the final yeah. mile delivery starts to frustrate us again. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's, the only, that's the only failure sometimes mm -hmm. of the e-commerce journey, you know, and, and, you know, I think the uptake of things like, uh, you know, delivered store or lockers or those sorts of things, you know, still needs to accelerate sometimes over those things of, you know, when you're not in, what can be done better? Um, and I, you know, I think that just sometimes spoils the e-commerce journey personally. So, yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because what happens is the customer experience doesn't just come from the consumer purchasing a product from, uh, let's say, supplier A. What happens is that the the delivery company ends up being almost like a representative of Absolutely. that of that company 
And so whenever you have like a poor experience with a delivery company, you end up associating it with the, with the supplier, which is right. not the case. So, I mean, I, right. I can definitely see, and, and, you know, you look at Amazon, for example, Amazon has their own delivery drivers. Yeah. You know, they're, they're the ones taking full ownership of the entire experience. And I, I, I can see that happening more and more. Let's talk a little bit more about it, what happens in, in the background. You know, a lot of our customers at Vantry, they're relying more and more on third-party logistic companies because that's what they specialize in. They specialize in, you know, pick, packing, and shipping products, right? So if a lot of the risk that we're seeing um, in this, you know, in providing this amazing customer experience is really on, not on the supplier, but really on the shipping company and the delivery company, um, you know, what's, what's your opinion on, on outsourcing this part of the operation, number one? And number two, what are things to consider for a supplier to take the leap to rely on a third-party logistic company? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very interesting. And, and, and having worked for um, both fulfillment, pick, pack, uh, and ship companies, and 3PL, so, you know, bigger uh, companies, I think, I think more um, businesses today are looking at, certainly if you're a retailer, are looking at uh, the support of outsourcing for survival, because I think there's more reliance on um, those guys supporting you for many reasons, helping you with the responsibility, and actually you being able to concentrate on what you do as a retailer. You know, you're a retailer ultimately. You know, you're buying product, you're selling product. Are you actually a picker and a packer and a you know, and a shipper of goods and managing your distribution at the same time. And I think, you know, certain businesses in the UK that have uh, gone to the wall over the, the years have, have done that because actually they have tried to do everything, you know, and I think the ones that have been successful have actually gone into a, a true partnership with their outsource provider and said, listen, let's go on a journey together, you know, not not you being a supplier, but you being a partner, we outsource together and actually go on this together and probably have helped to be uh, helped uh, to survive through certainly COVID, you know, and probably helped to be survived through peaks, you know, Christmas peaks, seasonal peaks, because they've got the partners that have managed you know, multiple retailers and clients through peaks because that's what they do. There are 3PL that manages businesses through peaks. These guys are retailers. You sell, we'll do the, you know, we'll do logistics. You know, yeah. it's simple. Logistics companies aren't retailers, vice versa. So, and I think, you know, I think that's the the, the key thing about it. I think, you know, um, ultimately, the, the likes of 3PLs uh, are doing this for multiple clients. So multiple clients brings you a share of something. It brings you a share of carrier rates. It brings you a share of technology. It brings you a share of space sheds, uh, you know, being able to, um, you know, grow internationally. It brings you a share of, of many sorts of, uh, of resources not just one dedicated that's linked to you being a retailer, for example. So ultimately you're likely to get better cost reduction than you would do just being you on your own as a Mr. Retailer. So, mm -hmm. you know, these guys are likely to have all the systems that you'd want to have in place. They're likely to have better and multiple carrier rates that allow you to, you know, piggyback on and better solutions. They're likely to have better tech in place that allows you to have, you know, certain things happening, visibility in certain systems, um, and just the right logistics tools um, that allow you to be, you know, a good, uh, you know, a good player from that point of view. Um, and, I, and ultimately, what does that lead to? Well, that leads to the, the customer experience. That's what you want to be leading to. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsor. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Vantry Systems. Vantry Systems can help you streamline your operations with your trading partners and 3PL logistics providers through deep EDI and API integration and automation. For more information, visit www.vantry.com and contact us for more information. Now, back to the show. Those points that you brought up, Richard. So yeah. I mentioned yeah. cost, cost reduction, better customer experience, yeah. reducing the risk in uh, in a time where there could be a disaster. Yeah. Obviously, you can gain insight. Um, you can gain instant expertise and knowledge on your uh, on your customers by relying on the three PL as well, because it's something that they can provide to you. Uh, and then, of course, you're you're able to scale your business. So those, I think, are the the you know five points that I think people need to keep in mind when they're thinking of taking that leap and really outsourcing everything. Yeah. Uh, and and I honestly, I, I recommend it as well. I, I really do because, like you said, if you're going, if you're a retailer and you you're you're manufacturing products, um, what are you focusing on? You're focusing on those products. And and I think it's a it's definitely a, a place and, and a space that I think is going to be uh, expanding in, in the near future. This this three PL uh, business and and fulfilling orders for 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 companies. So obviously, COVID has disrupted the supply chain completely, um, exposing existing weaknesses uh, and obviously the need for greater resiliency, which we've been talking about. Um, so. In your opinion, Richard, how will these weaknesses be resolved and improved next year or in the coming years? What's your opinion on that? I think looking across um, all technology right now, it's about visibility. I mean, one one of the things um, you know that um, is a challenge for everybody. Um, uh, everybody at the moment, everybody, you know, looking at technology, looking at um, the next year, uh, is is key vis- is is visibility and uh, real time visibility and uh, proactive reporting. If I explain that. Um, so visibility within their systems, you know, visibility of whatever they've got, whatever they're using, you know, their supply chain, um, you know, and I think, um, you know, it's 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 making sure that um, whatever's happening, um, uh, whatever you're doing, whatever you've got, whether you're, you know, whether you running a warehouse, whether you're running a vehicle, whether you're freight, whether you're doing last mile, whether you're a retailer, whatever party you've got, it's just having that better visibility of what's going on. And I think more demand is on visibility, you know, and, and just being able to see, you know, what's happening. But I think also it's about having pre- uh predictive visibility as well. And I think it's about having information that is uh, at your fingertips to try and see what may be uh, ahead. And what I mean by that is, you know, lots of people say, well, I've got reporting. Yeah, I've got reporting. Yeah, no problem. There's reporting in my system. You know, and I don't mean reporting that says I sent 100. I can, I can bring a report that says I've sent 100. Well, everybody can do that. Most systems can tell you that. It's about the report that says these three are a problem. These three look like they're going wrong because they failed an SLA or they failed a marker or, you know, they've, they've not hit this point or they were not sent out on, on time or they weren't put on a vehicle or they weren't picked on time or they're behind something. It's having those, um, it's having that, uh, predictive information that says there's an early warning that says these ones are now behind you know as early as possible that so that you can you know you can ring mrs jones and say listen mrs jones it doesn't look like you're going to get your order today you know we know we're on it and 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 just to let you know it's probably going to be tomorrow 
instead of Mrs. Jones ringing at four o'clock in the afternoon to say, I've not had my order. It's a very, very different conversation. It's about having yeah. that information, you know, being up front and knowing what's going on ahead of it, you know, and not being on the back foot all the time. So it's having that visibility uh, in the systems that are flagging up to say, this is going to fail because we didn't make it or didn't make it that mark or it didn't hit that time frame. Um, you know, I think planning is another part of it. I think, you know, people are looking for uh, cost saving um, with what they've got. So better optimization, better utilization of vehicles, consolidation, you know, better uh, route optimization, you know, better uh, space fill, better uh, routing. You know, actually, do we need 24-hour delivery on everything that we've got? You know, is is our world that urgent? You know, could we slow certain things down? You know, could we go? You know, could we actually, you know, do free on you know certain things and slow the world down slightly and consolidate orders and get better, you know, get better deliveries uh, if they were delivered in 72 hours instead of 48 hours. And, and just look at better consolidation, better planning, better routing of things. You know, actually, could there be a time, could there be a time that you actually see two delivery companies working together and you actually, <laughs> and you actually get some of your parcels delivered together? You know, you know, so which would be what a, a radical huge, which would be a radical huge, thought. Huge cost saving. My God, imagine the cost saving, you know, and things like that, you know, that, you know, but the cost saving that would come from that would be phenomenal, you know, especially in a, in a city, you know, when you've got all these vans and trucks going in and doing six parcels yeah. here, five parcels here. And then, then two minutes later, the next brand comes in and does six parcels here and five parcels here, you know, you know, imagine if they just consolidated at one out of RDC on the edge of a town and said, why doesn't just one of us do it? You know, we could save a fortune, couldn't we? And you go, oh, no, that's not on brand, you know. So, uh, you know, but anyway, one day, who knows? Um, and, uh, you know, it's that final while element. I think, you know, one day someone's going to say, do you know what? I've had enough of all these vans coming in. One and if it's not, and if it's not, if you can't do it yourself, I'm going to do it. And it'll be electric vehicle only. And you can all off and it will just be, you deliver to this place and we do it. You know, it will be the, you know, the town only electric vehicle company. And you only deliver to outer city and none of you are allowed in the city. And you deliver to outer city only. And we do the final mark. It will come one day. And, you know, your village will be the same and your, you know, your little town will be the same. And you will just, you know, like you used to get milk, you'll just get one delivery a day of all your parcels, which would be lovely, wouldn't it? So um, would I, think, I think that will come. I think, um, uh, I think they're the main things. I think, um, I think, I think the other elements is um, I think it's I think there's a, a bit about uh, reviewing um, you know I think the the negative element as well is you know the sort of post review the post game review as well you know that whole sort of you know looking at the net the because it's moving so quickly I think it's almost um, you know, reviewing what's happened, how can we do better, you know, uh, with, if you've got the right agile systems in place, you know, how can you tweak the, the dials on a daily basis, weekly basis, just to make sure you're able to fine tune things um, and, and really maximize what you've got going on um, so you're getting the best out of the, the play, really. Um, okay, so Richard, you know, so much talk these days in the industry, uh, and not even just in the industry, even in the consumer space around autonomous vehicles, you know, 
Tesla coming out with the semi-truck um, by the end of 2020, um, other car manufacturers looking at self-driving vehicles, you know, over the next five to 10 years. Amazon, as you mentioned earlier, um, working to make drone deliveries a reality. Curious what you think the whole, you know, um, autonomous vehicles events or, you know, the, the coming of that, how that's going to shape the industry? Do you think it will become an industry standard in the future? And if so, what what are the obstacles you see in having, um, you know, whether it's brands or 3PLs or what or whatnot, integrate these new technologies into their their um, operations? I mean, I mean uh, as you said, I think we talked about uh, a lot of it earlier on. I think um, the the realism of it all is going to boil down to consumer uptake in the end and the cost and the consumer uptake and and joking apart um so i i was involved uh in 2014 i think in taking uh the first um competing um uh, pick up and drop off solution that competes with uh the post office uh, network to market in the UK called Collect Plus. Um, and this was where you could uh, pick up and drop off your parcels to an independent uh, network of stores. So uh, um, uh, independent um, news agents, you know, 7-Eleven type uh, greengrocers, um, garage forecourts, and those sorts of um solutions so um the uh, no no parcel lockers these are all all independent retailers uh small supermarket chains so the, the, you could take your return there you've got your parcel and uh, in a, in addition to being able to take it to the post office you could uh take your parcel back through one of these corner shops um and the difference to the post office network was obviously it was open till some of them 24 seven, of course, some were open till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, uh, Saturdays and Sundays as well, of course. And then, um, delivery wise, you could have your item delivered there as well. So the whole theory was, you know, that it would help with convenience, but the reality was in the first four years, first few years, the uptake was only about four percent of orders and to, and today it's probably only about ten percent with even lockers and everything like that in there so you know whatever that whatever anybody thinks about you know some of these fantastic things and even if drones becomes you know the greatest thing in the world the consumer habits won't change you know and that's the challenge you know so it's about, you know, the consumer just still has it delivered to home. You know, the consumer still moans that it gets left on the doormat, behind the wheelie bin, under the car, over the fence, whatever it may be, but forgets actually it could have done something about it in the checkout. But the consumer doesn't do that. It just goes tick, tick, standard, standard, delivery, standard, 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 and all of those sorts of things. You know, it doesn't go through and think, oh, could I have had that delivered somehow differently or a different way? Um, so, you know, the, the view, my view on that is um, there may be the odd person that says, oh, it'd be interesting to see how a drone does deliver my parcel. And I might have a go at that. But the cost associated to it, I can't see how that's not going to be expensive. I think, Richard, you know, ultimately it comes back to what we talked about earlier, and that's the the importance of delivering an exceptional customer experience, right? So while the drones might be cool, I mean, from a cost perspective, ultimately, we all know what happens when companies put in new technology infrastructure, they pass the cost on uh, in their goods and services to the end user. So that's, you know, for for any um, vendor to put in a drone system, regardless of the complications in delivery is going to be 
very expensive. And to your other point, you know, when it, dropping things off in, you know, hopping it over the fence or just leaving it at the front door and it gets stolen. And, you know, these are all touch points that the, the customer, these are negative experiences the customer is going to have with the brand. So ultimately it's like, Phil, to your question around it, whether it's autonomous vehicles or whether it's drones, it's what is the delivery mechanism and the, um, you know, the way that delivery happens, how does that deliver on uh, an exceptional customer experience? Because ultimately it's going to impact the perception of your brand. And you, you mentioned earlier, Phil, you know, the, when a third party logistic, um, you know, supplier delivers something on behalf of a, a brand, if it's a terrible experience, you don't really associate it with, you know, DHL or Intelecom Express or any, you associate it either back to Amazon or back to, you know, whichever mm -hmm. store you bought it from. And so brands are going to, you know, the, the organizations that represent brands are going to have to really take a hard look at who are, who are the partners we're with? What is that whole supply chain? What is the whole delivery mechanism? What is that whole experience from sale to post-sale? And, and is it delivering on the brand promise that we're, you know, we're making to consumers? And I think, you know, I think there are very few brands in the market right now or companies that, you know, behind the brands that are doing that well. Yes, I agree. I agree, yeah. Yeah, no, those, those are uh, all good points. And, you know, especially for the consumers, um, as long as we're, we're keeping them in mind and everything. And I think I think that's that should be the end goal. Uh, but uh, Richard, uh, truly, this has been uh, amazing. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing your your thoughts and experience with us. Um, I do want to give you the opportunity to uh, to give a chance to the audience to learn more about you uh, and and what Trident Worldwide is doing. Um, how can how can people get in touch with you and, and and tell us more about what you guys can offer. Um, I'm going to take a look at the website, of course. Um, uh, so trident-ww.com, um, and I'll see. You know, we we uh, you'll see the team on there, and you'll see uh, my beautiful face on there as well. So you know, and connect with me on there. Um, you'll see uh, the three. Uh, key elements to our business on there, uh, which we refer to as the three pillars, um, which are send, store, and sell. Um, uh, and that, you know, it tells a story of what we're all about. I mean, obviously, we we are uh, one platform with the three pillars. Um, ultimately, um, we are a business that has uh, a network of warehouses. So, um, we're helping people with um, uh, storing their goods. You know, if you're looking for warehousing or if you've got, um, you know, warehousing space, we can help, um, you know, either fill that space or find you space. Um, when you want to obviously get your goods to that space, we can help you with the logistics for that. So, you know, we've got a, um, a big supporting pallet network to, uh, um, you know, help you move products and, um, you know, we've got people that are, you know, bringing their products in from source in China and we're, you know, helping them uh, bring that through customs to those warehouses and then, you know, out to their distribution warehouses. We've got, you know, customers that have got product in our warehouse and they want to move it from the warehouses to, um, you know, all around the world. So uh, absolutely. And then, um, uh, the final part is sell. We've got a network of um, uh, channel channel uh, solutions so that we can help people to sell it, get it through, you know, listed onto, you know, eBay, Amazon and those types of solutions. So uh, we can help, you know, sell your product, get it out there, get it sold, get it distributed. Um, and again, all one through, all through one uh, solution. So, you know, um, the site shows you how to do it, shows you how to register. It's all self-serve on there. Um, it's very easy to get up and running, get get your, uh, you know, get your business online to us. Um, and, uh, you know, we can help you build from there, really. Really cool. Really cool. Perfect. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. thank you again for your time today, uh, Richard. Uh, and it was a pleasure speaking with you. And I think on behalf of Teresa and I, uh, would love to have you back on. 
Um, Thank you. So, yeah, have yourself a good day and we'll chat soon. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks very much Richard. for being, being there. Let me come on. It's been great. All right. Yeah. Take care. You're listening to the New Level Podcast, where humans talk about automation. We bring you industry experts and share new ideas that help elevate your business. Join your hosts, Philip Aguib and Teresa Foreman, on the journey of automation technology.